And welcome back to the show. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time for my next guest. And this is great. It's always exciting when we have someone on for a third time, which means the first two times went really well. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a new book. It's Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders. We are joined by three-time returning guest, author Joanna Ho, and um, co-author Liz Kleinrock. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for Thanks having so us. much for having us. It's glad to have you back, Joanna, and uh, join the Three Timers Club. So you're only two visits away from a, a T-shirt, a hat, or a coffee mug. So, you know, you need to write two more books if that's your incentive. Okay, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm honored to be back, and I'm gunning for that T-shirt. <laughs> but uh, what what a lovely, wonderful book that uh, and wonderful going along with your previous two that uh, you've talked about, Eyes That Kiss in the Corners, Eyes That Speak to the Stars, and kind of continuing along that theme, certainly. Can you share with us a little bit what uh, what the book is about and kind of the background? Yeah, sure. I will start and just, this is Joanna, I will just start by saying this book is about a Korean transracial adoptee who was adopted uh, into a white family, and it really is Liz's story and so much of her heart on the page. So I'm actually going to pass it to her to have her talk more about that. Oh, great. Aw, thanks, Joanna. Yeah, it is very much the story of me, my identity as an adoptee, my journey, and my relationship with my family. Um, I would say that it is a story that has a lot of different components that might elicit a lot of different feelings. Uh, I'm certainly not attempting to speak on behalf of all adoptees everywhere because all of our experiences are so incredibly different. Um, I hope that when folks read this, they recognize that I think for many adoptees, we have this ability or are working on this ability to hold space for multiple truths at the same time. And that can look like dealing with the grief and anger and sadness and longing for the connection we might have lost with our birth families and our ancestral homelands and at least for me at the same time holding space for the love that I have for my adoptive parents because we have a great relationship and for some people those things might seem to really contradict each other but for me they exist all at the same time. It's uh, it's so relatable for me on a minor level because I always wondered why I looked so much different than my grandfather, my father, and my brother and then I found out my great-grandmother was uh, Yakut from uh, Yakutsk, like the native mm. people of Siberia. And they got those genes and, oh, wow. and I did not. So yeah, so I've been kind to, to track that back because I had no idea we went back to native Siberia, which is wild that somehow we wound up over here. Wow, that's amazing. I feel like that just yeah. shares how, much, how important it is to understand and to explore, you know, our own stories and our histories, which is something... We try to do and something that I've been so honored and privileged to be able to watch Liz do even just this past summer as she embarked on a journey to find her own birth parents because as you shared there is some power in understanding that and for for Liz like the courage comes in knowing that she's searching knowing that she might never find answers but she tries anyway. It's just very striking in the book and one of the scenes that really um, resonated is, you know, you have a child on an airplane and you know, this child's, you know, is going thousands of 
of miles away. I'm with people I don't really know. I'm without people that I did know for the first part of my life. And just, you know, I know at a certain part, oh, kids don't remember things under a certain age. But I I know that we do. We remember them in our hearts. So just wondering yeah. and, and knowing your whole world's going to change. Like, what what did it feel like in the moment for, for that tiny child? Well, I can tell you that I personally was about six months old when I was adopted. Wow. So I don't really have a lot of very specific memories of that. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk to kids. will say, you know, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people have like hospital photos from when they're born. But for me, there is this giant question mark between birth and six months old. I have airport photos. I don't have hospital oh, photos. Yeah. Um, so like that big gap leaves a lot of questions for certain. Um, and I think my parents and I have also tried to create some of our own traditions um, that I think both acknowledge that loss and also celebrate the family that we have. But now as an adult, you know, looking back at those illustrations, like seeing it from this adult perspective, I have so much to love and I also have so much worry for that little girl that she has no idea where she's going and what her life is going to be like and how people are going to receive her, um, that she's going to be taken away from everything that has been even remotely familiar for the first six months of her life. I don't know how you can even begin to explain that to a child. Um, But at least in my own personal story, the beauty is that I've been able to return to Korea many times. And this summer, I will actually be going with my adoptive family for the first time. And I'm really excited to have that experience with them. Well, it seems like that would be very meaningful to, to have um, your adopted family just, I don't know, some, somehow maybe just a tangible connection to a place, like really help, help center you and, and, and helps you understand. Yes, very much so. I think it'll be interesting to see that they're the ones who stand out (laughs) for the first time when I was always the one who stood out as a kid. Um, I'm sure it'll be intense and emotional for them. And I know that I'll also do what I can in order to support them in that experience and to explain things to them. I know that many adoptees would consider that emotional labor, but again, I I love my parents and I want to actually help them understand me and how I feel and where I fit in with all of this. Now, how did, did you two meet and uh, decided to uh, start working together? That's a great question. Oh, okay, good. Um, we, yeah, this is, um, so this is Joanna, and my editor actually approached me with this idea um, to, cre- to add a third book to the series about an adoptee, and I was very resistant because I'm not an adoptee, and I know how important it is for people to be able to tell them their own stories, especially um, for adoptees whose stories have so rarely been told from their perspective or by them. And I had been following Liz. Liz is a really well-known educator, anti-bias, anti-racist facilitator, just an all-around amazing human. And I've been following her online for quite a few years, actually, before even I was published. And um, knew actually that if a book like this was going to be created and if I was going to be part of the process, then I would have to have a partner. And Liz is the first and, and frankly, the only person that came to mind that I really, really felt like we could really gel and create something that felt truthful for the story that we would want to tell. So 
that's sort of how that happened. Started with like online stalking of a hero that turned into a beautiful collaboration and friendship in the process. <laughs> now, Liz, when uh, when you're a child, when you're going to school, what was your experience like that? Trying to fit in, because you know, some some advice you could give to children today. I can't believe you know my my daughter's school is so much more diverse than than mine was. And I think mm-hmm. kids are, are a little more, you know, open today, but uh, that had to still be like, I, why am I so different from everyone else? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think the first thing that I would ask people, if you're an adult or a child is to listen to adoptees instead of assuming, especially if adoptees talk about feeling sad or wondering, it's really common, unfortunately, for people to, you know, interject and say, oh, but you know, you're so lucky, you should be so grateful. Don't do that. Give space. Don't speak over us or for us. We are perfectly capable of doing that on our own. I would say that for young kids, uh, this happens a lot when I talk to student groups, that there's always a kid in the audience who wants to be able to connect to what I'm saying about adoption by sharing something like, oh, my family adopted our dog or our cat. So I understand adoption. And that is hurtful and dehumanizing. So please don't do that. And then for teachers out there, my last thing is just being really mindful of the types of assignments and questions when you are engaging students around their families. For me, projects or assignments like what's the origin of your name or plot your family tree. A lot of people, not just adoptees, but for folks whose families have been forcibly removed or perhaps our ancestors were enslaved, that it is such a privilege to be able to have those answers. So to really try to think about those types of activities from a trauma-informed perspective. You know, and through our church, we had sponsored a family that was, uh, you know, escaping the uh, genocide in Sudan. So they're here, and yeah, we're trying to nurture uh, their their little daughter Zahara. But yeah, is is receiving some questions like that, like trace your family tree or or what is your origin, and like really had nothing to go on. I, I like she came from a refugee camp. Yeah, it's complex, and I remember in moments when feeling confused about that and just being told like, oh, just put what down, put something down that feels right. I'm like that's that's not helpful. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that because I'm seven. <laughs> well, isn't it tempting too when you're a kid? You just want to fit in. So I'm like, oh, I'll just put something down and, and go along. But then, uh, you know, there, there's some part of you that realizes this this is not true to who I am. And, and this has to be a little bit hurtful. Yeah. And I know that there is a lot of positive intention. And even those with the most positive intentions can sometimes cause harm by accident. So it's just really also important to you know, be accountable in those moments. And then Joanna, I wanted to ask about uh, your illustrator, because once again, it's such such a a beautiful book. My daughter loved it immediately and just kind of got lost in it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I feel like the process of creating these books is so powerful and magical, partially because uh, in a large part, because when authors create a book and we hand it to an illustrator, we don't typically have communication with the illustrator at all. So Zhang Ho is a Vietnamese illustrator. And when Liz and I finished our text, we handed over the book 
And then she was able to sort of read, not only the text, but read between the lines to talk about all that complexity and the questions and emotions that Liz has shared here today and capture them in the, in the pictures so that the words and the pictures really tell a really multi-layered story. And I feel she's just a brilliant artist. Uh, ab- absolutely. It, it's captivating. And, and I think she was. It, and so you have a winner if it's uh, eight-year-old suburban Chicago girls. That's, uh, if that's your target audience, you win because she couldn't put it down <laughs> and read it like read it oh, all the way amazing. through, but then went back and was just kind of as a, as a budding artist herself was getting lost in the, in the illustrations. Oh, that's amazing. And I would just, I'll jump in and just say, you know, I feel like as Liz shared, this is a story that her story, and I do hope that it speaks, you know, it's not, it's not the one, there's no one size fit all adoptee story at all. It is one story in what Liz really eloquently wrote in the opening letter and what she hopes and we hope will become like a rich tapestry of many stories. And hopefully it's a way in for people who are not adoptees, like your daughter, who will be able to see the book and ask questions and wonder about things perhaps she's never thought about before and the experiences of others. And I think that's the power of this book and just about for the power of books in general. Well, I couldn't recommend this more highly. It is Eyes That Weave the World's Wonders. It is now available where books are sold. We've been chatting with the authors, Joanna Ho and Liz Kleinrock. And thank you so much for joining me. Please come back again. Thank you so much for having us.